One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And welcome back to Mums the Word, the parenting podcast. I'm George Jones and I'm your host for this week. So this week I have been solo parenting, which I thought was going to be stressful and hard, but actually the house is clean, the washing's done. I've got myself and my little boy Cooper into a nice little routine. Um, and it got me wondering how much of being a wife can sometimes be a little bit of parenting them too. I just thought that was a... A question I wanted to put out there to all of you listeners and I'd be very very interested to know your thoughts on that. So being a parent is one of the most rewarding and demanding roles in the world. It's a journey filled with laughter, sleepless nights and heartwarming moments but it can also be a journey fraught with self-doubt, isolation and the ever-present question am I doing this right? This week I our guest is here to break the silence around mental health and parenthood and remind all of us that we are not alone in our struggles. Join me as I welcome Dr. Emma Hepburn. You might know her as the psychology mum on Instagram. Emma is a clinical psychologist and has been for over 20 years. She's also an honorary senior lecturer at Aberdeen University, specializing in mental health and well-being and an author of a toolkit for modern life, a toolkit for happiness and a toolkit for your emotions. So welcome to the show, Dr. Emma Hepburn. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to join you. Now, you you first came onto Instagram five years ago with your incredible illustrations. I've actually, I went down a big old scroll hole. Oh I already followed you, Emma, but um, I, I went down a big old scroll hole going all the way back when you first started. And it's amazing, like the progression with your yeah. illustrations as time's, time's gone on. Um, and you also have three books. You have appeared across the media Um which is just incredible. How do you feel when you look back over those those five years? Uh, you know, it's really funny hearing you say that because sometimes it feels like a bit of a different life. It's quite surreal because mm. so I work in the NHS and have done for 20 years. And really the reason I started, I was going to say, I hope it was a helpful scroll hole rather than an unhelpful one going to it my was. images. It was. <laughs> I know, the reason I started it really was, it came from my clinical work. It was thinking, oh, we're doing work here and I used to sit and do scribbles with children or adults I was working with and thinking actually these concepts would be helpful to everybody and mm. to just look after their mental health or understand you have good evidence-based information about mental health generally so it was just a totally I'm going to share this on social media had no expectations whatsoever no plan people say what's your social media plan 
randomness is my plan. <laughs> I have no plan and I've not done anything on it for a long time. So I want to get back into it. But And then it just grew and it grew and it grew and it's led to all these amazing things. So I, I kind of, it feels surreal looking at my books, like amazing, you know, amazing opportunity to have. I kind of almost can't believe I've done it. It's just really amazing, but also surreal. Well, it is. And it's, and it's fabulous because do you know what I love about your illustrations is that they're very simple to understand because mental mm-hmm. health is a bit of a, you yeah. know, it's a minefield. It's confusing. We're, we're all, you know, if, if we're looking to work out what's going on with our mental health, we're probably not kind of thinking straight anyway. So to have these amazing, simple illustrations that kind of explain it in layman's terms, this is how you're feeling. This is why um, is wonderful. So anyone that hasn't hasn't checked the Psychology Mum out, Emma, um, do because it is it is incredible. There was I actually went through and there was someone and looked at. It, I was like, oh, God, I wish I'd have known this when I first had my little boy Cooper. I wish I'd have read like, you know, there was one. And it was the, the little brain. Um, and it was a, how becoming a new parent can impact mental health. And I really honestly think there's so much work to be done in mm. in uh, becoming a new, a new parent and Absolutely. the mental health aspect of things because there's not enough care. I don't know how, how you felt when you first became a mum. Did you, did you have any struggles with your mental health? So... It's really interesting because I worked with children when I became a mum. And just mm. prior to that, I worked in uh, with babies. So uh, my very first job when I qualified, which is a long time ago now, um, was in a maternity hospital. And then I went to work with children and children with medical conditions, but children with mental health conditions as well. So I think um, that both helped and hindered me, which is interesting mm. because I probably had, didn't have the same kind of glowing expectations of what childbirth would be like. That actually I think was helpful to me because I had quite a difficult birth, but I expected it not to necessarily be easy. So yeah. my expectations matched what happens. And that's often what you have, you know, you have to look at kind of what were some of these expectations. And if we expect something to be wonderful and it's not, often can we, we can react more badly. But also I think it can be a hindrance because you kind of think you should know what to do. But yeah. actually, you know, there's a difference between theory and becoming a new mum. And I had, with my first child, the worst sleeper in the world. So, I oh, I mean, it was it was almost like a joke. Every single this newborn phase, it's uh, it's it's so easy because they sleep all the time. And I'm going, my baby never sleeps. Mm-hmm. And looking back now, you know my oldest is now 12, looking back, it was really obvious to me with experience that they probably had silent reflux, but I didn't know that at the time. And I think there's an element where professionals also assume you know, but actually, of course, I didn't know anything about that. So I think the biggest impact to me, I I loved being a mum. I loved, you know, having this little baby. I loved lots of elements of it. But I was so severely sleep deprived for mm. a good two years. And I kept on hoping, oh, it'll get better when they start solids. It'll get better when, you know, they go to nursery. And it never got better. And, yeah. and now he's the best sleeper in the world. And I can't get him up. But <laughs> at that point, it was just absolute chronic sleep deprivation. And I think it got to the point where I never knew how bad I felt because I felt so bad, chronically sleep deprived all the time yeah and now if I have one bad night's of sleep I'm like 
why? This is what I felt like for two or three years. Isn't that mad? Because I think that sometimes I'm like, if you know, if you go to bed late, say if you've, I don't know, if you've yeah, had a bad night's sleep and you're like, oh God, I feel terrible. I feel hungover. I feel, you know, I feel just exhausted. And that's it. We don't realize we are just powering through for a good couple of years, couple of years, if not more of our life. And we're just expected to do it. And we're expected to just get on with it and kind of, not sure really that it's hard not only having to be fully functioning functioning adults having to be first-time parents at the same time and nobody kind of like gives you I don't know any like kudos for that they don't they're not like this is what you are doing is incredible because how you're functioning Uh. is just like you know, nobody, nobody cares, do they? And you're there exhausted. So yeah, you've got the, you've got the most difficult job potentially in the world of, you know, the most important job in the world of bringing up a child, but yet you're functioning often at your most depleted. So you marry those two yeah. up. It's just a, a you yeah. know, a recipe for worry, isn't it? And guilt. Yeah. I once Googled, oh God, I think I was, oh, I was a good few days without pretty much any sleep. And I Googled how, how many more hours before I die from not oh, sleeping. And I, and I, 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 like, yeah. isn't it mad that, that like my brain went there it went right if I don't sleep I will die and and on Google it was like yeah you've got 11 hours left I'm like that's it that's it I'm gonna die from not sleeping this is the end but you know a, a sleep deprived brain I mean you can see where that goes because a sleep deprived brain is a brain that just isn't functioning on par and it's so easy to kind of you know cognitive traps that function all the time like kind of getting caught into a real worry we can often pull ourselves back with with more resources they trap us more when we're mm. tired because we don't have those resources to say right, I know I'm going down into kind of catastrophizing here but you know actually because you don't have that resources to kind of step back so you're much more likely to go yeah. into those kind of guilt anxiety what do you get trapped in kind of emotions so it's just you know, some, somebody needs yeah. to just sort out baby sleep so they sleep from day one so we all feel good <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I also think there needs to be like, like just somebody like a therapist that you talk to maybe once a week for the first Mm. month of having a baby where you can just talk about how you're feeling and the struggles and for them to explain it to you in a rational way, because I feel like our rational brain disappears. Mm -hmm. Isn't it? Yeah, well, it requires a lot of effort and cognitive effort to kind of step back and see things in a different way. And that's w- mm. what generally is kind of an executive part of the brain, which is, you know, the, is very demanding to use. Um, it's not necessarily always natural. So we slip into those patterns, which can be unhelpful to us, rather than saying stop and stepping out of them. So, you know, how we feel, yeah. how we, um, you know, function at that point is probably totally natural, but actually, we do need that almost that other person to serve that function of that executive part for a brain to go, right, whoa, hold on here. I know you're searching that, you know, you'll die after 11 hours now, but actually let's look at this realistically. Yeah. Yeah. And also that, you know, your partner or whoever, you know, whoever you have that child with or your family around, they're probably tired yeah. as well from looking after babies. So they can't help mm-hmm. you out really. Um, but when I was, when I was looking at that, illustration there was a few things that you'd listed which I just just 
shouted out to me. I was like, oh God, I totally, totally relate with these things. So one of them was self-doubt, mm-hmm. which is like a massive thing mm, as a new parent. Huge. You do. It's very hard not to doubt pretty much everything you're doing. Yeah. And uh, but the thing, the thing is, you know, we actually need to doubt ourselves when we're doing one of the most important jobs in the world. You know, if we think we're right all the time, that's also problematic. So self-doubt is required to kind of make us go, okay, learn and change your behavior. But it can also become crippling and unhelpful and create anxiety. So, you know, to doubt mm. how you how you maybe put a nappy on and then to learn because that doubt is helpful or to doubt how you kind of respond to your child's emotions and then learn how to do it is helpful. But when you start to doubt... Okay, that's a positive. Yeah, absolutely. But then when you start to positive doubt way of yourself totally and second guess yourself and think you're doing things wrong all the time and it leads to guilt and that's the problem um, that results from it, it can become really crippling and it can get in the way of you doing things and it can, you know, it can lead to poor mental health, poor well-being. So it, it's it's keeping a handle mm. on that, isn't it? And noticing it and also recognizing when you need some support with that. Yeah. And that's the thing as well. I, I, I'm sure I speak for a lot of um, new mums here. But I didn't realize how much I did spiral mm-hmm. in those. Yeah. First, I think it was, uh, I would say the first 18 months I powered through. I thought I had to be perfect mm-hmm. and I thought I had to do yeah. everything I'll cry I'm gonna get upset I thought I had to mm-hmm. do everything like on my own obviously I've got my husband but you know I, if I wasn't doing it I was a failure yeah and put all that pressure on myself and it only I think it was only when I was actually coming out of the other side of what I'm pretty sure was postnatal mm-hmm. depression that I realized yeah. what I'd mm-hmm, felt. Mm-hmm. And listen, you've just, you've just, you know, listening to you there, you've just told me a very clear belief. If I didn't do it perfectly, I'm a failure. And that's, I think, a really mm. common thing with motherhood because you get this image of all these perfect mothers and social media on the TV, even that motherhood is this thing that you just comes naturally. You'll just be able to know how to do it. But obviously, like I said, it's the most fundamentally important job because you're bringing up a child who you want to turn out well, you want to do the right things for them. And this contrast between we must be perfect, actually it's really, really difficult and nobody gets it right, mm-hmm. can lead to that kind of difficult emotions around about it. And also then because we feel guilty and not get it perfect, maybe not asking for help, not allow ourselves just to really muck up all the time. Because let's face it, you know, as we're parents, we get things wrong all the time. We need to get things wrong. Actually, children also need to see us getting things wrong because that's a model of how life operates. Mm. Parenting is one of the most complex jobs in the world and it's constantly changing because as soon as you think you've got something right, you know as soon as you go, yeah, got that one right, yeah. it'll change tomorrow because developmentally yeah. they'll change or they'll change something. So you're having to be constantly flexible, constantly changing, constantly getting things wrong. You will have to inevitably get things wrong. But when you've got this pressure and a society pressure as well because a lot of people will comment Mm. and say what you should be doing how parents should be everybody has an opinion on that which shows you that you're definitely doing it wrong because everybody thinks you should be a certain way 
then those two just can lead to really complex emotions in the middle. Yeah, they can. And and as well, on top of all those emotions, you then have things like your role identity yeah, changes. Yeah, totally. you, you as a person, uh, well, I found this. I lost my identity completely. I was like, who yeah. am I? Who am I? Am I? Am I? And, and I was like, I'm happy being, being mum. I love being mum. But what about those other parts of me that I had there before that seem to have yeah, just disappeared? Abs- Where are absolutely. they? Yeah, you lose yourself. You lose, you, 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 and you're, yeah. you're kind of, you know, because you build up your identity throughout life on lots of different things. Your job, it might be, on your social connections and the people around about you. And then you have a child and most of those parts just go immediately. Because yeah. it's actually quite hard when you're sleep deprived and you have a baby that's quite hard to leave the house often to keep up those social networks. Mm. It's you usually stop your job for a while, not always, but usually. Um, but also your activities. So, you know, I used to love playing tennis. I've played tennis probably twice since I had kids. So all those parts which make up you suddenly so mm. much of them go just practically. But I don't think you think of that beforehand. Yeah. You don't think I'm going to become a mum and I have to almost build a new identity round about this. And some people just, you know, fly with that. That's okay. We're all so different. Some people are like, I'm an hour mum and that's me. And that's great. But some, many, many people don't. Many people struggle to adjust to what is my identity now. Because let's face it, being at home with a child all day long can actually be quite hard and really lonely at times. It's not yeah. all happy, smiley, lonely. gurgling babies that you're having fantastic interactions with. It's often having to work out how on earth you stop them crying, work out what do I do now? They're not eating their food. Oh, how do I get this baby to sleep? So it's a lot of really difficult things. So you're building an identity around having this baby, but a lot of it's really tough and we don't feel like we're very good at it a lot of the time. So it's quite yeah. a hard identity to build. You used a really interesting word then. Of, well, not an interesting one. It's a very simple word, but the word lonely, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think enough new mums are told is it is completely normal Gosh. to feel absolutely on your own with it and lonely I remember thinking to myself I've got you know I've got my husband I've got my friends that have had babies at the same time I've got my family who are all super supportive but on those times where it's just you and baby you just feel so alone absolutely and I remember thinking I have no time to do anything I've got like I can't, I can't even have a wee in peace. I can't have a coffee. Certainly can't sit down and eat food because that baby smells it and cries instantly for some unknown reason. But I'm lonely as hell and oh, struggling. Yeah, and, and I think when there's so many things in that I think even when you actually see people because actually often your interactions continue with your child you don't really get that full connection even as a mum or sometimes you're having to go to new things like I remember my first and I didn't feel it so much the second my first I felt this pressure I went to baby massage when they were three weeks old what was I doing like what was I doing like just stay at home Emma and just you know (laughs) stay at home Um, and then I started to all these groups and you know some of them I really enjoyed some of them I actually just went because I felt I should and you know just because you're a mum you're not necessarily going to connect with people just because you're a mum so you're having it's actually quite Mm. difficult to build new um, relationships with that new identity so there's and that's quite hard work so you're trying to do that while having a baby think you should do it 
and yeah, it's it's difficult. Well, yeah, like mum, mum and baby classes. My my, I remember one of I think it was my mum or my sister were like, why don't you hang out with you know the people you did NCT with or who are people you do these classes with? I'm like because they're a bit forced yeah, friendship yeah. friendships for me, and I don't want to I want to just hang out with my friends who know me and you know have been with me for years and years and years I don't want to make new friends when I've already I'm already at like my lowest (laughs) step like the last thing you want to do well for me personally was forge (laughs) a new friendship when I was like at rock bottom and exhausted and you don't know who you are literally had nothing to (laughs) give nothing to give anyone if you don't know who you are like who are you in these new friendships it's uh, it's, it's actually really hard work well not not, I guess not for everybody we're all individuals but for many people when they're exhausted that's quite hard work but again it's an expectation when you have a baby you go to these baby clubs and that's what you do and because we put those pressures Mm. on yourself and you said something about how you should be feeling we think we should be doing that and we should be feeling that and then when we feel emotions like loneliness we look at our expectations of what we should be doing as a mum all these interactions and these having these wonderful coffees sitting in coffee shops and you know being this lovely friendly bouncy people having these wonderful gurgling to and fro interactions with and we're like oh we're not doing what we should and therefore I shouldn't be feeling this so we almost criticize ourselves for how we're feeling which of course then makes us feel much worse mm. oh it's a downward spiral sometimes isn't it um, and and there's a lot of uncertainty and unpredictability mm-hmm. of of the whole journey yeah. isn't there of of parenthood Loose Lips, the podcast where we give our expert, not so expert advice. Join us as we figure life out one episode at a time. Yeah, you don't want them break dancing in the middle <laughs> of Weatherspoons, do you really? A tanned ankle, no socks, boat shoes. So they have like a partially tanned foot. <laughs> so you got through it? Yeah, well, I mean, well, we're not together now. But... Oh, well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say I'm furious. High five yourself, boom. Whoop. Another life saved, you know? Find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search Loose Lips for weekly topics and some seriously juicy listener dilemmas. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
So if you could give any advice to expectant and new mums or parents, um, what what would you what advice would you give? So I'd say put a, put aside the shoulds. So what do you think you should be doing as a mum? Do you actually want to do it? And is it helpful to you and to your baby as well? But is it helpful to you in, your, in the situation you're in? So do you actually need to go to that baby group this morning, which is going to create you a lot of stress? And you know you might not get there because your baby has a punami just before you leave. And that's just going to be more stress you're trying to get mm-hmm. there. Talk about myself 12 years ago here. <laughs> do you, could, <laughs> would it actually be more beneficial to you to just stay at home that morning and just relax and watch some morning TV. So think about, rather than what you should be doing, take away the shoe and say, what's most helpful to me and my baby at this moment in time? Because who was I doing that for? I wasn't really doing it for me because I'd actually didn't want to do it. It wasn't actually that helpful for my baby. They couldn't care for lying on the mat in the middle of a community centre or sitting with me. You know, actually, they probably wanted to sleep. But, yeah. you know, that's probably the one time they would have slept and I made them get up to go to it. So yeah, you know, put yeah. aside the shoes. And also, really importantly, put aside the shoes of how you should be feeling. Because this belief that we suddenly become a, a new mom or dad or parent and we should have this immediate amazing bond with our child this feeling of love and it's just a wonderful interactive relationship all the time well you might get snippets of that you might not feel it much at all you might feel utterly rubbish um because realistically Mm -hmm. there's so much uh, that comes with being a parent so much complexity so much you know physical impact emotional impact that you might feel rubbish and you need to instead of saying i should be feeling this therefore i shouldn't be feeling this recognize how you are feeling and be compassionate to yourself and reckon because as soon as you recognize it and allow it doesn't necessarily make it better immediately but certainly doesn't make it worse and what we can Mm. do is say right what do I need now so I guess that's the third thing look at your own needs and it kind of ties into point one but what does this emotion say about what I need do I need to speak to somebody do I need to just take the day out and say I need to do nothing today do I actually need some support around my well-being and mental health so if as soon as you recognize you can think what is that emotion telling me it's okay to feel that way it doesn't feel good but actually there's no right way to feel when you become a mum so what's it tell me what do I need as a result of this emotion that's so interesting and I love that you touched on the whole I, I should be feeling this way because I would love for mums to be, be and dads parents everyone to be prepared that you're not always going to feel that instant yeah. rush of love yeah. because I honestly beat myself up this is probably the start mm-hmm. the start of the of the drop off with my mental health but i was so prepared to feel this huge rush of love oh god i do anything for this little tiny person i love them so much i looked at cooper my little boy and i was like ah. I don't feel it. Oh no, what's wrong? Why can't, why, why aren't I feeling this huge whoosh of love? Why is he not like my, you know, I'm be all and end all right this second. I don't understand. And I would have loved somebody to have told me that that was normal. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I just don't think there's enough of that type of conversation. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, you know, I worked in maternity services, um, 15 16 17 eight years ago long time like almost two decades ago now and I remember saying that mm. at the time and um and I and I don't 
think it's, and I experienced that when I was, you know, had babies as well. I don't think it's changed too much because actually we prepare somebody how to change a nappy. We prepare somebody how to give a birth plan or feed a baby, or we, we try to anyway. It's really hard and doesn't always transfer to after you've had the baby because those things are still really hard. But actually, mm. where's the, the emotional preparation? How to prepare people emotionally that this, just all the things we've been to, talking about. And actually, that is where things like, you know, your podcast comes in because actually it's normalizing those emotions and how we feel and how it's likely to impact on you. And, you know, I think we normalize, normalize the really good bits as well. There are, of course, absolutely fantastic bits too. And, but it's absolutely normal to have that massive complex mix of emotions and it's different for everybody. Yeah. I think I'm going to put on this podcast episode in capital letters. If you're a new mum, please listen oh. to this. You need to listen to this. It will help you so much honestly I wish five years ago I'd have I'd have listened to something that kind of gave me a bit of uh, warning of it's not all you know absolutely gorgeous and wonderful and um full of love <laughs> I think I think as well it's, it's interesting because you know I think often we can't actually kind of um see that until we're in it because I think we actually don't really engage mm. with these things until we're actually really in it and experiencing it so you know I think had I listened to this podcast for example before I had a baby I would have probably gone oh yeah 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 and it might have kind of become part of me but actually afterwards if I then listened to it I'm like, oh wow yeah right okay I get that now because a difficult thing as well is you don't want to scare yeah. expectant parents mm -hmm. and you don't want to come across as a bit of an idiot being like, oh, yeah. well, yeah. you know, <laughs> this could happen. You might feel this way and it might not all be wonderful. Mm -hmm. And a mum, the other day, a new mum said to me, oh, God, my, my baby's not sleeping at all. Please tell me it gets better. And I kind of, I was like, Oh, I was taken off guard a little bit because I was like, well, I mean, it didn't, didn't for me. It just got worse before it got eventually better, but it didn't get better till about three years later. And and I said, well, you know, um, everyone's journeys are different, but, you know, some babies don't sleep, but they will eventually. Yeah. It just might take a lot, you know, a bit longer. And then I came away from it feeling terrible, feeling like, God, I shouldn't have been negative. I should have only been positive, but... How do we navigate that? What do we do? Do we be honest? I, th I think actually you gave a really nice response to that because you didn't kind of, I guess what you were cautious about was creating false hope. And that's when mm. I described about sleeping, that false hope was really unhelpful to me because I did think, and it, it was almost like, right, they're going to sleep at this point. Great, they started nursery or they started solace, they're going to sleep. Oh, it's the nine month, whatever. They're going to sleep now. They'll sleep once his tooth uh, is through. They'll yeah. sleep once they go to nursery. They'll sleep when they become a hundred years old. Um, <laughs> You know, it's like, I mean, my, my, I'm joking, but actually my son was a very bad sleeper. And um, so that, actually that false hope yeah. became unhelpful to me. And I connected and I'm yeah. still good friends with him. And one person whose baby didn't sleep either. And we just looked at each other and we could see through the sleep deprived eyes that both our babies weren't sleeping. And that was really helpful to me because it was a normalizing of it. So I think your answer is really nice because hope can be helpful you know because you can say it will change in the future you know all babies will sleep eventually at some point but it's so different for everybody it's recognizing that complexity and some babies take a much longer time to sleep some babies babies will sleep um earlier i think there's a really important part to it because i think something i had in my mind as my baby didn't sleep is what am i doing wrong why mm. am i is my mm. baby not sleeping when i used to 
support people whose babies didn't sleep. What yeah. am I doing wrong? Yeah. I think there's a really important part to it is recognizing there's only so much you can do when babies, you know, don't do something like don't eat or don't sleep or they do something that maybe feels difficult. There's also a baby in that relationship. It's not just the mum or the dad or whoever's looking after them. There's a baby in that relationship who has an individual personality and individual needs and different sleep onset needs. And uh, so I think there's this myth that if we do this special thing, it will result in this amazing outcome. But actually, I had all the techniques. I had all the tips. I knew Mm. what to say, theoretically. I did them all. My baby still didn't sleep. So my baby was just maybe had you know some individual differences um probably had a little bit colic that I wasn't aware of whatever it was that was going on and then you know so so there's that bit of blame and I think it comes from society as well this like if your baby doesn't sleep then you're doing something wrong or eat or whatever um so a bit mm. of a blaming around that so I think it's taken that blame out of it and saying look some babies just don't sleep you know your baby might sleep at certain points but some babies just don't and no matter what you do And you can try things. You might find the right thing for your baby that does help them sleep, but actually it might just be a developmental stage that they'll sleep at some point. So it's it's removing that blame that you're doing something wrong and therefore they won't sleep. And I had people say things to me like, oh, you should maybe go to a sleep therapist. I was like, "Mm, that's funny because I actually was a sleep therapist. So, and, And again, that might work for some people. I'm not, you know, I'm not taking away that will work for some people. But it's like, yeah. there's not a one size yeah, fits cause. all. There's not a, you try this and it will work. It's about a learning about your child and what, you know, that interaction and what you can do. And you may find something that works for you, or it may be that just something clicks developmentally and you do nothing and suddenly it happens. That's it. It's, it's, you've, I think that's the one thing that we've got to remember is that every single child is completely different. And I guess the only way they can communicate with us is through crying, (laughs) really. So, so anything that they want, whether it be, you know, milk or a dirty nappy or they're tired (laughs) or anything, they cry. Oh, they don't yeah. sleep. I mean, it's so funny, isn't it, when kids don't sleep? Because you're like, oh, God, if I could sleep yeah, like you, I if I could just do what you're doing, that'd be absolute bliss. I, um, I think I think another thing, just moving on slightly different kind of like feelings, is now I don't know whether you ever felt this, but uh, I certainly have. And, and Danny, my husband, knows full well that I felt this. A kind of resentment and actually mourning a little bit my old life and resenting a little bit that he was kind of getting on with his Mm -hmm. and being able to do his part of things where I was at home and not being able to do my my thing and it's terrible because you almost feel and I don't know whether any listeners agree with me here I hope you do almost like a little ball of anger bubbling up inside of like well this isn't fair it's not fair that I'm the one that has to stay home it's not fair that I'm the one that this little child is solely relying on right now because Cooper didn't um, take a bottle for four months yeah completely and I and it wasn't Danny's fault you know, he could only do so much, but I felt such 
resentment and anger, which again, didn't help towards my mental health. Cause I was like, not only am I, you know, struggling in every other aspect, I feel mad. I'm just mad all the time as well. Cause you know, and then it affects your relationship. Absolutely. Do you know, again, I think it's something that's not spoken about enough. And I think it's something that many, many fe- people feel, um, that kind of uh, maybe resentment, anger. And of course, when you're tired, we know that you're more likely to kind of feel that much more. So you might, you know, mm. I, I describe it as you've probably seen the capacity cup, your capacity cup is already totally full. So therefore, it doesn't take much for it to bubble over. And when it bubbles over, it's when anger mm. or, or shouting or whatever happens, but you've got such a slim narrow window of capacity. In fact, you've probably got no capacity. It takes virtually nothing to tip you over into that kind of bubbling cup. Yeah. And therefore, the things that might make you slightly more annoyed before might make you really angry or might make you really upset. And I think there is that difference. And I, I think one of the, the trigger points often is when somebody comes home from work and you've been doing this all day and you're like, right, okay, time for a break. Mm. But they also want some downtime. So you've kind of got that disjoint between they feel they've worked hard all day. You feel you've worked hard all day. You you both yeah. want to break, but actually one of you can't get a break because well, somebody needs to. So I think that's often a trigger point that people can get quite, it can create um, tension. And I think that's the other thing. I think, yeah. you know, throwing the child, a child or baby into the mix of a relationship is complex too. And it's, you know, yeah, really complex. I mean, when when you when I had a child, and I and I said to Danny, I was like, "Can you believe that some people have babies to try and fix their relationships?" <laughs> I was like, "What? Why would you? Why would you throw a bit? Well, basically." A little bomb into the middle of like, a, you know, an unhappy relationship Gosh, because yeah. goodness me, I mean, me and Danny were strong. We still are, but geez, geez, like you, I mean, you go through it. And I think, I think like you said before, that is something that would be super helpful to mm-hmm. know that your marriage is going to take a battering. Oh, yeah. Your mm-hmm. relationship is going to, is going to be put mm-hmm through the ringer because you have got emotions we've got our hormones the men I feel a lot of the time have potentially you know been mothered by us with that we have been their sole focus they have we have had nothing else to you know there and I think sometimes they get a little bit jealous of the fact that our attention's not solely on them any, mm-hmm. anymore. We're not cooking, you know, not that everybody cooks their tea for their husbands, but, you know, we're not yeah. doing all the jobs, mm-hmm. all the things that we would normally do for mm-hmm. them um, and vice versa um, yeah. anymore. And they're like, oh, well, this is different. Yeah. And she's being stressy. <laughs> And then you kind of, then you label yourself as like, oh my God, I'm that stressy mum. I'm the, I'm a stressed mum. And you feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. hard. It's just I flipping mean, hard, I think you just it? described perfectly kind of the complexity of a baby in a relationship. And, and I mean, I guess, you know, that drawing I had of how it impacts on on a new parent you could have an additional one outside about kind of because babies often exist in a family and you've got multiple people with multiple beliefs and multiple emotions and multiple needs and you've got this baby who has absolute immense needs in the middle of it you've got a mum whose often needs Mm. aren't met and you've got a partner who maybe doesn't know how to meet the the mum's needs or a mum who doesn't need you don't have time and you don't so it's just I mean it's just a kind of melting pot of emotions isn't it and it's it's something again another thing to learn to navigate think how much we're learning when we've got a new kid and that's effortful and you're learning and you're caught and when you learn you also get things wrong 
all the time. So you've got all that in the mix. So it just it's just really, really complex, isn't it? Oh, it really is. I think we, we, we're also very guilty as as mothers of leaving ourselves Absolutely. at the bottom of the pot of the pile um so that brings me on to a question from the public so alice is on email and she says hi there i'm three months postpartum have just stopped breastfeeding combi feeding due to supply issues as i have a thyroid condition i'm trying not to feel like i failed but finding it tough and as the supply issues aren't represented in the media i also didn't realize how emotional it would be thanks and best wishes alice have you got any advice uh, for alice on how to deal with these emotions i would say this is something that's not very often talked about but as a psychologist working with new babies i heard it all the time there are there's an expectation that's very much you know part of the public health campaign you should you will and you should breastfeed and also there's kind of an expectation that I mean it's fairly straightforward I was never told how difficult well maybe I was and I didn't hear it you know you don't know maybe you didn't hear it at the time because mm. you weren't you weren't in that place to hear it but I certainly didn't expect it to be as difficult as it was and it's difficult for it's it's you know some people maybe find it easy but most people find it difficult. There's so many issues which impact on that. And it's also very demanding. And it's, but there's lots of kind of physical issues why people might not be able to breastfeed. But also, some people choose not to breastfeed, and that's okay. Mm. But there's this expectation we should be, it should be easy. And then when we're not able to, um, for whatever reason, um, then there's that expectation we should versus the reality. And then there's, yeah. I'm feeling in some way. That's exactly what she said. I'm feeling because I can't. Um, but actually, it's really common not to be able to. It's really, um, it, it's it's more common. You think it's really common for it to be difficult. I think it's probably more common for it to be difficult than easy, to be honest. And the fact you've tried yeah. in itself as a success, and in some ways, the fact you've decided to feed the baby through another method is a success because you're looking after your child, and you've come through that difficult time. So well done you for navigating that. Number one, it's really complex. Oh. That's amazing that you've managed to navigate that, and you're looking after your baby doing that. You're absolutely not a failure. You're absolutely not a failure. It's it's so common. And it's so normal and it's, it's also normal to feel like a failure, but you're absolutely not a failure. You're actually a success for having to, you know, for navigating that and making the decisions you've had and also um, trying as well. That's all you can do. You can try. You know, you can't help. There's so many factors apart from you, which impact whether you can breastfeed. So, you know, well done, mm. I say, rather than you're a failure, I think you're a massive success. Oh, Emma, I went to a trance listening to you then. I could. I, I think we all need just one of you there, like our hype woman just there. When we're like, we can't do it. Like, listen, you, know you are amazing. <laughs> yeah, I went to um, my school, my daughter's school open day yesterday. They had these little buttons that you could press to hear the kids speaking. Maybe we could have one of those. So when you feel like a failure, you just have me yeah. or you saying, do you know what? You've tried, you've done a great job, actually. Of course you're yeah. not a failure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, your next book, you know, those kids ones you can get that you press and make animal noises. Can you just add your voice into that and you can press it for different motivational <laughs> yeah. quotes? That'd be great. Yeah. You know, that's, that's how she 
genius idea. A press button big front. That's a genius. We need to make that. Right. We're, we're, we're paint, paint, how do you say it? Painting that now, yeah, right? No one else is allowed yeah. to do it. It's, our, it's, it's, on, it's on camera. <laughs> <laughs> We've got it on record. You can write the big well, draw and do the signs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Emma, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I feel like I've had my very own therapy session and I have no doubt that you will have helped so many people out there with your words and um, what you've said there. So if anybody wants it, you've obviously got three books and I would strongly, strongly recommend going and looking at Emma's um, Instagram as well because it's it's fabulous. But thank you, Emma. Yeah, it's been so it's lovely been to speak to you. It's, uh, yeah, it's just a really, really enjoyable and interesting conversation. So an honest conversation as well, which has been really, really nice. Thanks for listening to Mums the Word, the parenting podcast. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. We love to hear from you. Get in touch on WhatsApp where you can send us a voice message for free, even anonymously if you want, at 07599927537. Email us at askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with another episode same time same place next week imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with bowl and branches organic cotton sheets in a recent customer survey 96 percent replied that bowl and branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15 percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.